This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Parenting tweens and teens can be difficult territory to navigate, even more so in a pandemic when a life lived online is accentuated. Our guests are riding out COVID restrictions in New South Wales. Clinical psychologist Joe Lamble and family GP Ginny Mansberg have combined their years of experience working with families to write a practical parenting guide. Their book... The New Teen Age, How to Support Today's Tweens and Teens to Become Healthy, Happy Adults. It's specifically designed for parents, step-parents and carers. Uh, Jo Lamble is with us first. Good morning and welcome, Jo. Good morning, Catherine. Uh, Goodness, you two, um, everyone working virtually at the moment, of course, but you two have had a good friendship and a good professional relationship going back some time. How How does it work together? Oh, look, it's just been lovely since we clicked um, years ago on the set of a, of a morning television show over here in Sydney, Australia. And and then we, we realised straight away that we had similar outlooks on life. We had similar outlooks on how we um, viewed our, our patients and our families and our kids and our friends. And so we always wanted to work on a project together. So it was actually Ginny's idea. And she said, hey, look, I don't know about you, but I'm really hearing so many parents struggling with how to deal with teenagers these days, not because the teenagers are worse, they're just as you know, resilient and strong and fabulous, fabulous and opinionated as ever, but because some of the things that worked when we grew up and some of the things that we assumed we would be doing parenting uh, have changed because of the new, you know, the new age, and so many things have changed. And so we decided, hey, why don't we write a, a book that might cover lots of things that have changed these days? It's always one of the most challenging uh, stages of, of parenting because so much, as you say, so much wonderful change is happening. But that change is challenging, and sometimes you wonder whether the child you had yesterday is the, is the same person you've got today. But can you um, first perhaps describe the actual developmental stages we're at here with teens and tweens and then we'll talk a little bit more about why it's so much more complicated and what parents are telling you. Well, in their teenage years, you know, the most important change I probably would say is that they are... They, their friends mean everything to them. So you can see why in the pandemic that has affected them so much because they really, they need that connection. That's what they're wired. They're wired to turn to their friends and to read their friends' um, faces and their friends' messages stronger than ours. So, so that's, a, that's a really important transition that we need to allow them. They, they need to be released to be able to do that. They also want to increase their independence. They're, they're forming opinions. They're, they're wanting to be older. They, they're, they're wanting to, to learn more responsibility. So all of these things are coming when, at the same time that us parents, we're getting more fearful because we're thinking, wow, there's so much danger out there and please, I, I wish you were just still tiny and I could just wrap you up and protect you. But now we're, there's that you know, long period where you're there trying to, to push the limits and push out and they need to know that there are boundaries but they also need to be able to learn to develop and let go because we are just there helping them transition into adulthood. Joe, there's also there's a, there's a lot of complications. That's why I was 
try to sort of also get clear on the ages that we're talking about. And I don't mean age um, chronologically, but developmentally. Because for a start, um, our young women in particular are often entering puberty uh, earlier than they were. And... um, you know, when can this stage really begin to hit, and it can be can it be surprising how early it can begin? Yeah, I think this stage generally that that we cover in the book. You know, I think it, if you've got a child from age ten onwards, I think it would really help. But it it doesn't hurt to prepare yourself and read um, some of this material when they're even before they go through puberty. So. So you know early on, wow, because what we, we one of the main messages we cover in the book is it, it's your connection with your teen that will keep them safe. And that connection is going to be mainly based on, on listening to them, talking to them, you know, sharing, being able to have the different com- difficult conversations, being able to hear anything, being able to talk about anything. And so if you can, you can see that if you're able to establish that as early as possible, then when they're entering um, puberty and, and all the, the physical changes, the emotional changes, you're better equipped to deal with that. So, yes, I would say from the age of 10 right through to, you know, the... the adult brain doesn't fully develop till 25 so at least exactly early 20s is still pretty much teenagers joe just before we welcome jenny i I was also keen as to whether you are hearing from parents they offer they they're either worried because obviously the world is changing and changing as quickly as it is and they can't sort of see a future that looks familiar to them for their children and are some feeling like failures again because these challenges we're going to talk about technology in the moment uh, at the moment these challenges are new and until you begin to break things down to those basic principles you feel like you're up against it yeah that's right i think that's one again one of the main reasons Jenny and i decided to write the book is we saw parents just filled with fear they were filled with fear and they were filled with a sense of failure so anything that went wrong with their child any if their child w- was struggling in friendships or had some mental health issues or had made some bad choices some mistakes the parents were blaming themselves for everything and feeling like oh my gosh where did I go wrong how did this happen to my child it must be my fault and wow that's just so sad that we, we don't want parents out there full of fear and feeling like failures we want them to know they've got this that they can still be there you know Teenagers rock, they are still there, they can be, they can look to us for their guidance, for their strength as as they grow into adults. So well, we don't want them to be so afraid. Well, let's look for some key tips from both of you and welcome our family GP, Jenny Mansburg, who's written this book with hey. clinical psychologist Joe Lambie. Hi, Jenny. Uh, let's hey, start. Let, I'm really good. Thanks very much and thanks for your time. Let's talk about this particular challenge of technology and uh, the social media world, which can be intimidating for parents. Um, First, because you, you feel like you need to know so much to have your head around it. How do each of you come at this, and Ginny go first, on um, those basic principles that Joe said? You, you can be their rock. Communication is going to be the key to this relationship. But when it comes to dealing with those battles over tech and social media, what are some of the tips? 
So I think you've got to define your boundaries because what we see, Joe and I see, is people get really bogged down in semantics over, you know, whether a person should be on two hours on Facebook or three hours on Snapchat. And the, the apps that they're using are changing quicker than the wind. You can't keep up with it. I know we don't understand it, but given that these kids now have to do a lot of their homework on a laptop, having tech in their life is just inevitable. So rather than trying to control every single app that they're on because they're going to move off that app onto another app before you know it we would just say take our five c's which is um as joe said our, our principles of con- connection and compassion and and confidence and competence and all of the c's that we talk about with you to, into every single uh interaction with your kid and instead of trying to control them and control access to their apps try and keep that connection strong so that what they have is the empowerment to make really good decisions and and as safety blanket from you so that if they they need your help you're like the trainer wheels on the bike gradually loosening your rails and loosening your controls so that they have a really good framework to use this is a part of life now we can't control it and we can't get rid of it so let's talk about age and again that can vary depending on a child's stage of development but you're pretty strict on saying eight to nine year olds too young for smartphones at what stage do you begin to have this kind of growing relationship where more is handed over to them? And I'm interested also, if one of you want to speak to it on this concept of a contract. So I think in terms of age, what you'd be looking at is you know your own child and what their needs are. So if you are a parent who is lucky enough to be able to drop your child off at school, pick them up from school um, and they're always in the the care of an adult when they're in sort of primary school, I'm not sure that they need a phone. I mean, it's lovely to have the games to play and that sort of thing, but in terms of it being a necessity, it's not really a necessity. But if you think that your child uh, might get themselves into trouble and they're on their own a lot of the time, they're getting themselves to and from school, then I wouldn't put a hard and fast age on it. It's about knowing your child and what their needs, their individual needs are. Joe, do you want to talk to contracts? Yeah, I think the, the, the idea of a contract... It, it, it's such a good idea because that mirrors life. A lot of what we're doing as parents is trying to prepare them for adulthood and, and so any life lesson we can give and we know adult life is, is full of contracts. So um, I always recommend to my clients that you know when, when they think, as Ginny said, when you think your child is ready for a phone for, for maturity reasons or practicality reasons, then surprise them with it. Surprise them with it and say, hey, okay, here is your first smartphone. And so they're so excited by it that they are then often very willing to do whatever you suggest in order for them to have it. So you say, okay, so what comes with this phone is a contract. And the contract is something that we're all going to sign and in that contract are also going to be the consequences if you break the contract. So things like in the contract you can put, you know, you've got to agree that the phone will be out of your room at night. You've got to agree that you don't post photos in school uniform or you don't post photos of anyone without their permission, that you only have friends online that you know in real life and and put in a contract that before you post anything, have a think about whether you're about to make someone else feel bad about themselves and only post things that you're happy for another parent or a teacher or a principal or a future employee to see, employer to see. So you can see that you can put all these things in a contract that you stick up 
on the wall and they sign and you sign and as I said in there you've got the consequences that if you break the contract then this will be the consequence because that, that's, that's a big thing Catherine that so many parents and I can totally understand why um, but when because the phones mean so much to them when they do anything wrong right give me a phone give me a phone give me a phone and that's just like taking away their whole connection with their friends. So the it, the consequence should be, okay, if you post something inappropriate, then, you know, perhaps we need to get you off your phone for the weekend. Or if, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you're going on your phone too late or you had it in your room overnight, then perhaps you need to, um, we need to police that a bit more. You make the really good point that this is a family contract too and the importance of modelling. Yeah. We all know how kids are with fairness and equity. And this may be, may mean, you know, no phones at the dinner table. I'd yeah. say a good one for parents would be no phones on the sideline at the sports game and that would be <laughs> a challenge. But what a message it sends to children when they can see their own parents fully engaged in something everyone's agreed they will be. You both mentioned, we mentioned this business of the importance of connection um, and this again I'm sure parents would be interested in, when there is a harm that comes through that um, device and we know it is. We know for example how young children are viewing um, pornography and often violent pornography. When there's bullying happening, how do parents build this kind of relationship and connection where a child is both wants to and is comfortable about communicating something that's happened and how do you make sure you open the door to that with the way you talk to them? Jenny, do you want to...? Well, I mean, I think um, there's not a one-size-fits-all and that's why we did create, create that 5C sort of framework. But I think that if the kid has done the wrong thing with the phone and it's clearly stipulated in a contract super easy, right? You know, well, geez, what a shame. Um, you know, let's try again. Let's do, you know, let's sort of roll back your phone privileges for a short amount of time and then let's try again and let's hope, hope you did it, you know, hope you do it a bit better next time. And that would be not dissimilar to if you sort of give them some freedom to go out on a Friday night, but they end up getting absolutely tanked on alcohol and you need to go and pick them up and they're paralytic. Um, you might go, look, that didn't kind of work that well. Let's maybe spend a little bit more time at home and let's try again maybe another month. What do you think? So that you're not doing it as a form of punishment where they feel victimised and they feel that you're throwing around punishments willy-nilly that don't um, make sense to them. This has got to be a learning opportunity for them, but they also need to understand that there are pretty big consequences uh, for what they're, for, for their behaviour. But what we're trying to do is rather than trying to control them and prevent them from ever making mistakes, they are going to make mistakes. That is part of what adolescence is. It's transitioning to adulthood to becoming competent adults. We want them to make a small mistake as possible, learn from them and then grow because you don't learn from any mistakes you don't make. And what we're trying to do is hand that baton of competency to them as adults. And each mistake that they have, they can learn from, grow from, and then discuss with you about gee, what could have gone wrong, what could have happened, somebody could have been really hurt, whatever, and then you go back into the trenches and again start to loosen those guardrails, guardrails a little bit. There's a lot of stuff on self-care that makes a lot of sense and that can be a, um, you know, a bit of a running battle as well. Um, you know, Getting sufficient exercise, getting sufficient sleep, and we know that's uh, vital for teenagers and teenage growth. Again, you talk about modelling um, stuff that can filter through, but I'd like to just sort of leap to one matter I think is particularly pertinent to this generation of teens and tweens 
some of it linked to social media, some of it linked to the pandemic that they're living through right now and all its disruptions to their normal lives, as you say, their access to friends, and I know you guys are particularly loving it um, and have been living it for a long time in, in New South Wales. The anxiety and all the sense of what's the point, and actually a, um, a, a text has just sent this in, what's the point of tidying my room when the whole world is such a mess? The anxiety that tends or appears to be particularly prevalent amongst this generation of teens and tweens. First, can you comment on what you see the causes are, and second, how do parents best manage it? So what um, some research from Reach Out, which is an um, online um, platform that helps young people um, cope with life, what they found is, and this is, this is pre-pandemic, so I'll, I'll come back to the pandemic, but pre-pandemic, what they were, teens were most anxious about was academic performance, and, and perceived pressure from teachers and parents, perceived, even if the parents weren't saying anything, they thought, no, but they're expecting me to do well. They're also very anxious about their futures. They're anxious about whether they're going to find a job, whether they're going to buy a house, are they going to be financially secure. So it's so sad to think these poor little teenagers are thinking so far ahead. Um, they're also concerned about their um, body image, sexuality. So they're they're pretty much... To me, increased pressures on these kids that they're feeling. And then you add the pandemic to it, and that's just made them um, even more concerned. What what now, you know, am I going to be able to live the life that I anticipated? Am I going to be able to travel? Am I going to be able to find a job when there are, you know, there, there are all these uh, restrictions? So, so we, as their parents, as usual, just need to be able to hear that. So you don't want to just dismiss them and say, oh, come on, no, it's going to be okay, it, it is what it is and let's soldier on. We need to be able to let them hear that we can sit with their anxiety it's all the time as long as, as long as they know that we can hear anything and we don't want to be more anxious than them. We don't want to be more uh, worried than them, more angry than them in the situation. We want to, again, try and be steady even if we're freaking out inside for them. So we let them know that they, we can hear that, we empathise with them and then we help them just make, okay, so what, what are some small decisions you can make today that will will help with anxiety? And that's when you can say, okay, let, let's talk about sleep, let's talk about your um, exercise level, let's talk about some healthy eating because they're things you can control to help with anxiety, to help with mood, to help, you know, to lift that future because we all know we do cope better if there are certain things, decisions we can make where where we have control over them. A few questions for you, and one of them actually is, what is what are the five C's? Can you just quickly run through them? Jenny, do you want... Yeah, so um, the first one is connection. So I think that um, Joe has already spoken about it's the connection with your team that will keep them safe. Yeah, you don't have to um, and, elaborate. And just, just tell me what they are. So the connection, uh, it's just a curious listener. Connection, the second one is? Uh, compassion. Yes. Uh, we've got uh, competence. Yes. Uh, so not saying stuff that is rubbish. Confidence. And, Joe, I've gone completely blank on my life. Collaboration. 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 Wonderful. Yes. 
<laughs> Sorry, ladies. A um, couple of a uh, couple of questions here. This is a good one. Please ask your guests about sibling rivalry and teaching emotional tolerance between teens and tweens. We have four boys. The thirteen-year-old and the eleven-year-old, especially, are provoking each other continuously. One beatboxes wherever he goes, but the ongoing repetitive sounds make the other seethe and retaliate with fierce verbal abuse, and then it escalates. Then there are the sly looks, under-the-breath insults, intentional bumps, actions, etc., all of which rapidly escalate to rage. How can we teach tolerance and calm responses? Some of these days are very long. I have to say, all of them sound familiar to me, but what are the best ways of handling... First, could you just say, what's going on with that kind of sibling provocation? Oh, it sounds. It sounds. What your listeners <laughs> written is. It sounds. You know, uh, as old as time. Siblings do have rival rivalry. That's what they're they're competing. You know, and that's why birth order often is so significant in in our development. Um, they are designed to compete for attention, to which is often the main thing. Um, and they are designed to. They they look up to older siblings, and they often. Uh, but that might not come out in admiration. That might come out in in annoying them. <laughs> so, so the the main thing is, I always think, again, opportunity for a life lesson. Definitely to model empathy. So to help each child have empathy for each of their siblings. And and empathy means just imagine what it's like for your brother given his situation, his age, his personality. What do you think is going on for him? That's that's really, you know, a wonderful life lesson. And secondly, teaching them, look, at some point you're going to be living with flatmates. You're going to be living in a family, your own family. You're going to be living with a partner. You're going to be in a workplace. You're going to need to be able to tolerate things. You're going to be able to... If a flatmate is annoying you because of the noises they're making or how they're not helping around the house how are you going to approach it you want to say okay how can you use your words how can you have a discussion loaded with empathy to try and reach a a resolution you're not going to be able to nudge an elbow and (laughs) sly looks and get into an escalated violent situation with a flatmate because you won't have any flatmates and just one more thing Catherine is I think um, violence I, I, I wouldn't have any tolerance for violence. So if one of the brothers is punching the other one up, I know boys do have punch-ups, but I think that just can't be tolerated. Just there's a, a, a subliminal um, message around violence there. If you tolerate it between brothers, that violence in general is okay. I think that's just something that you've got to have a zero tolerance for. Great advice. It's going to be a persistent one, that one, um, because it just seems to be a hardwired behaviour, but great advice on how to persistently keep coming at it and um, our thoughts are with you. Four boys, well done. Great stuff. Um, Very, very quickly, just in 30 seconds, if you would, Anna's asking about passwords and access to your kids' devices. At a certain age, do you um, are you happy to do that deal as as part of the sort of gradual handing over of uh, responsibility? Look again, Ginny and I, you know, big on it's it's you know your child. So if they are generally making good decisions and they're where they're supposed to be and they they do what they're supposed to do and they're safe, then then let them have a bit more freedom. Let them have their privacy. Let them have their you know their own passwords that you don't need to to know about. But if you're concerned, if you're thinking, well, some of the decisions you're making aren't safe, that you, you know, there's risky behaviour here, I am concerned. So then for their safety, you're saying, hey, I think we need to make some changes here. I think I need to have we need to share the passwords or, or 
be friends online just for a period until we know you're safe again and then then you relax it again so it's just again it's just showing them our main aim is just to keep you safe and we're going to do whatever we can to do that but we also know you need your freedom your privacy your independence and we're we're all working towards that yeah. same goal it's that old argument isn't it um they actually like and appreciate the boundaries they're just never yep. going to tell you that thanks both <laughs> of you jenny mansberg and joe lamble the book is the new teenage how to support today's tweens and teens to become healthy happy adults